Well, good morning, Browncroft. Come on. Please remain seated. <laughs> thank you. No. Um, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you this morning. And, um, you know, my ministry of young life overlaps with a lot of folks from this congregation. And so for many years, there's many of you that have served on our adult support teams or have helped us with Young Life and helped my role in Young Life. So I just want to say thank you. And we have uh, kindred spirits in a heart connected towards wanting to reach so many kids across what I get to supervise, which is the greater Northeast region. And so, and Rob, thankful for you, for our friendship. And when Rob, Rob had asked me a couple months ago if I'd be willing to share words to live by this morning, I thought, well, I'm going to go to Kohl's. I'm going to get a brand new shirt. So I went to Kohl's and I decided to get just a monotone because I didn't want to compete with Rob's plaid short sleeve shirt attire. So I just went with the gray. So didn't want to. <laughs> so, but Rob, you've been a huge encouragement to me over these many years. So thanks for your friendship. And how blessed are you to have Rob and this team leading you and your congregation? So... Hey, when Rob asked me to do this, the first thing that came to mind is, is a verse that, again, I haven't accomplished this verse, but in terms of words to live by, if there's something from the Word of God that has had an impact of my life recently, it's been this verse on fear. And so when Rob had asked me, I thought, boy, this is what I'm hoping that the Lord will use somehow today to connect with you, that I am, I am praying that the Holy Spirit, number one, I'm praying that this makes sense. Number two, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will take your heart and mind on holy tangents and speak to just you. As riveting as this talk will be, I know that the Holy Spirit might have much more to you for you than what, what I say up front. But as, in just thinking about fear, I wanted to show you a picture of probably what is the source of a lot of fear in my life, something that causes me a ton of fear. And maybe, maybe you can resonate with this, but that right there, that's a picture of my family. My wife, Kathleen, and I, we've been married for 33 years in a row, <laughs> and um, we, have, we have six children. <laughs> and... Um, we have our oldest is Kyle, he's 30, and then our youngest is Jacob, he's, he's 12, and my two older sons, Kyle and Alex, they actually both live in California. My son, Alex, just got married about two and a half, three weeks ago, so he's our first one out of six, and I'm just thinking, we might have to do that five more times. Weddings are stressful. I'm like, my goodness, so then, and then my two daughters, within a week of Alex's wedding, my daughters, my two daughters, Alyssa and Rachel, they moved down to Atlanta. So here's my two daughters. I have to pack up this U-Haul and drive to Atlanta. You talk about fear, <laughs> running a truck. Anyway, so got them down to Atlanta. And so my son Jack is uh, 18. He's actually going to be finishing up MCC uh, in December. And then I have my 12-year-old Jacob. So um, the first five, we, they, I'm just so thankful for the Lord that, that it seems like they have authentic relationships with the Lord. And... Um, with, with my 12-year-old, the verdict's still out. We'll see. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, but I show you that picture, and, you, you know, we, we kind of post our lives now, or that's kind of the culture we live in, and you can see that. But, but really, this picture and my kids, you know, that's probably a picture of what I love the most, right? And I think that so often our fear is connected to what we love the most. There's a vulnerability there, isn't it, where we have an opportunity to get, to get maybe attacked with what we love the most or in our, in our vulnerabilities. And I, I want to tell you a story 
uh, about my daughter when she was in middle school. And this is where this verse and this, this thought about fear and these different things kind of began to, to come to fruition. Is that I was out on a date with my daughter, and, and we were talking, and I said, Hey, Alyssa, how was, how was your day at school today? She said, Dad, it was a real tough day. And I said, Why? And she said, Because uh, I was talking to some of the girls, and the girls told me that the boys said I was the ugliest girl in the class. And so as her father sitting there, I'm like... <laughs> Lord, I know vengeance is yours, but man, just let me, <laughs> let me do something. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to go home. I'll get a list of names. I'll drop Alyssa off. Don't tell your mother where I am. Because as a dad, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And, um, and my heart sunk. And I, I'm just telling you, that fear for my daughter just became, just became a reality. And this verse, the 2 Timothy 1-7 verse that we're going to talk about today Here's what I want to let you know is that this is not a verse that we accomplish. Just because we talk about it this morning or perhaps you memorize it or you make a plaque of it and you put it in your office or your living room, it does not mean that this is a true reality. There's a certain point where we have to take these words to live by. We have to take God's word. We have to step into it and live in the reality of what's true about us. So this verse is much more about a pursuit of our hearts and our souls so that we can really believe what God is saying is true because my daughter needed to believe this every day. After that encounter with those girls, she had to come to believe this was true about her. And so again, this isn't something that we're going to accomplish. Just like our relationship with Jesus isn't something we accomplish or we achieve to perfection, our relationship with Jesus is something we pursue. It's a relationship. So let's look at this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. One of the translations that really resonated with me and really helped me kind of connect with this verse and make it more practical was when in, in talking about sound mind to, to be thinking of that as right thinking, to think right. That God has given us the spirit of power, of love, and, and thinking right. And if you think about this first, for God, if you think about the source of this love, this power, of this right thinking, it comes from God. And if you're going to get a gift from anything or anybody else, I would say that God is probably the best source to get something from. Because his promises are true. And at a certain point, God gives us these gifts. And I think there's a certain point where, are we going to receive these? Are we going to believe this? Are we going to think a certain way and then live into it? And again, this, this verse for me, even in the context of my life, my family, my work, it's an everyday quest. This isn't something that's just, that's just accomplished through reading or through memorizing. It's something that some kind of change has to happen. And so we look at this verse and the source of these words to live by, not just this verse, but the other verses that you've all been talking about, is that this comes from God, who did not give us that we are not called to do this alone. I get in trouble the most when I try to do things all by myself, or I think that I know everything, or I do it from being a sense of being isolated. For God did not give us, us together. We've got, to do this, we've got to do this together. He did not give us a spirit of fear. 
When you think about that word spirit, I think about just the depths of what our spirit is. It's, it's who you really are. It's what you really think about people and God and what you think about yourself. It's connected to our identity and what we think life is all about. Our worldview, what we think about. That, that the spirit is that depths of who we are. The things that we, we know, if, if these things get shaken, it shakes everything about us. That in the depths that God is not giving us, in the depths of who we are, he doesn't want us to live in a spirit of fear. He didn't give you and I a spirit of fear. And, and when I think about fear, I, I just think about just the anxiety that goes along with living this life. I mean... Five out of six of those kids had to learn how to drive. Lord, help me talk about fear. You think about just the anxiety and, 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 and what when you walk through different things with your kids or, or some of us walking through different dynamics with our job or our marriages or our life. And that fear is that deep-rooted anxiety where we just feel it in our whole body, where blood rushes through our head and our heart. And we're like, oh, my gosh, if something happens to this, then I'm done. But God didn't give us this spirit of fear. But he gave us a spirit just as deep. You know, fear attacks us really deeply. But the spirit of God, I believe, goes deeper. It's foundational so that when we're looking at all these vulnerabilities, we can say the spirit of God is here. And that spirit is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. And it's a spirit where it can really change our mind and how we think about ourselves. Think about how we th- change our minds and how we think about God and how we think about this world. We can begin to think right. And I'm telling you again, this isn't something we accomplish. This is something we pursue and come to believe continuously, reminding ourselves. That's why it's so important each morning to start our day saying, this is the word of God and I believe this is true about me and I'm going to walk in believing that this is true. Because the minute we walk outside, gosh, don't we get surrounded by a bunch of lies? Aren't we tempted to believe a bunch of things that aren't true? But this comes from God, which is pretty good, right? If God's going to give us anything, I tell you, it's something that's going to be good, and it has the potential of really changing us and having us experience life and life to the fullest. And so I want to just share a few things that I've been learning over the course of time with this verse. And again, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit connects it with your heart as well. One of the things is that fear really does target our vulnerabilities. Like where you are vulnerable, what you love the most, I think Satan, I think fear is going to go right after. Like what happens if you lose this? And, I, and one of the things that I've come to know, and I think I've learned this through my daughter and my conversations with her about this battle she was fighting, is listen, is that all fear is rooted in a lie. That my daughter was being asked to believe a lie that was not true because in the eyes of her heavenly father, she is beautiful. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. And I do not want any eighth grade boy telling my daughter anything different. And she needs to hear the voice and the conviction of the spirit and the depths of who she is about who she is, that she's beautiful, she's created in God's image. And I think I need to hear that too. We all need to hear it. We all need to begin to hear in the voice of God what is really true. But fear, listen, all fear is rooted in a lie. Can you discern the voice of the lies and fear from the voice of God? Do you understand? Do you hear the voice of God? Words to live by is the voice of God saying to you, you have, listen, me, God, I'm giving you the spirit. I'm giving you a spirit, not a fear. I'm giving you the spirit of love, of power, of right thinking, of a sound mind, of self-discipline. Listen, I am with you. Do you understand what you have access to because you are my child? 
I think one of the things that I battle with with being in full-time ministry is I fluctuate between being God's child and being his employee. Sometimes it's really, it's sometimes, honestly, it's easier to think of myself as God's employee because then I can kind of punch the clock and he doesn't have to get at everything. He doesn't have to look at the stuff that's really deeper or the things that my identity is connected to that's not really healthy or of him. And then there's times where God just rushes over by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, you are my child. Do you understand who you are? You are my child. And I think about just wanting my daughter to hear those words. Now, I, in, in, in the voice of her earthly father, I could say to my daughter, listen, you're beautiful. Listen, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I could say these things. But my daughter didn't need the voice of her earthly father. As, as important as that is for us to speak truth into our children, she needed to hear those words in the depth of her spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit so that they would be true. She needed to hear it by the Holy Spirit so she would know that that's true. Just like some of us in this room, we need to understand you are a child of God. You're not his employee. And I think, you know, what Satan does, Satan is very, is re he really is not very creative. I mean, he is doing the same thing with you and me that he did with Adam and Eve. He is causing us to question the truths that are true about us, right? That Adam and Eve, the first question he said, did God really say to question the word of God? Is this what God really said? And I think this morning, and these words to live by in this series, what would happen if we just believe with just a mustard seed of faith this morning, a little bit more, that we did not receive a spirit of fear, but that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. What if we realized that there was a sense that, no, God has given us a spirit of love, that not only are we so in touch with how much God loves us, we finally have the ability to love others and people who previously drive us crazy. <laughs> or our challenges, or even people in our own families, all these different things that we could be so in touch with the love of God that we could go out and truly love each other. So what would happen for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love? What if we left here thinking right about who you really were, who you really are in Jesus? That we're really God's children. That we really have an inheritance. My family, you know, we grew up in Buffalo, single parent home. We grew up on public assistance every free lunch program and everything, I grew up on it. And I thought, and I always had this resentment sometimes towards kids whose families had more resources. And, and I started leaning into this verse, and I, I said, I should be living like I'm a trust fund kid. I mean, I got an inheritance from the Lord. I've got, I can live with the sense of freedom of who I am because of what is true in Jesus. What is it for you this morning? Do we kind of live with this sense of weakness, this sense of conditionality about who we love? Do we, do we live with this just a sense of fear? Or do we live without a sense of fear, knowing that we're loved, that we have power, and that we can think right? You know, I think the only, what I'm learning in my own life is that, that the only voice that Satan really has is the voice that I give him, right? Is the voice that, that I'm, I'm willing to say, okay, this is true, or entertain these thoughts. And, and I just think words to live by, his word, God's word, is, is the only way for us to discern sometimes the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. So when we hear God say, hey, this is true about you and it's from God and we have the spirit of power, of love, and of right thinking, we can believe it. We can step out and say, you know what? This is true about me. 
And I think that Paul was trying to breathe into Timothy because this is a transition of leadership, right? This is one of the last letters that Paul is writing before his death and entrusts the leadership of the church to Timothy. So these are his closing remarks. And he's trying to say to Timothy, listen, this is what is true about you. As you lead, remember this. He wasn't trying to change Timothy's personality. He wanted him in the depths of who he is and his spirit to know they had a spirit that was from God, that was of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I think it's so often in our lives that we have these vulnerabilities. Do you know where you're vulnerable? Like if, if Satan was going to attack your fears or your vulnerability, do you know where they are? And that's why we need to be in this with other people. Because sometimes there's people might have some bravery to tell us that, like my wife tells me. <laughs> and she's honest about saying, hey, this is where I feel like you're vulnerable. But I think fear will tempt your identity and my identity. That there's a certain point where we're going to believe that in order for us to really experience a sense of love or power or a sound mind or self-discipline, it's all up to us. It's all up to doing really well at the job. It's all up to having this sense of perfection. And, and maybe sometimes what happens is fear begins to enslave us in really good things. Like fear begins to enslave us into things that are really good, like ministry, or like just being obsessed with how good our children are doing, or being obsessed with how good our lawn is, <laughs> or our hedges are. Um, <laughs> maybe there's this sense where we just, our identity becomes something that's outside of us instead of who we really are in Christ. And I think fear, our vulnerabilities, tempt us away from our identity in Jesus. I can remember a, a number of years ago, I got a, I got a, there was a shift in leadership in, in young life, and I got a call saying, hey, we're going to restructure something, which would have meant an incredible change in my job and what I was doing. And I remember I couldn't sleep. I got sick to my stomach. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I remember getting down on my knees and praying desperately. And you know what the Lord revealed? The Lord said, Rick, your identity is what you're doing for me. It's not in me. Your identity is in what you are doing for me and not in me. And I'm telling you, over the course of the next five years, I feel like the Lord has freed me. Would I be heartbroken if I lost my job? Probably. But here's what I would like to say. Man, I hope 15 minutes with the Lord would be all right and I'd be okay. Because, you know, if you have a sense of freedom from these things that cause us fear, if I could really live with the sense of freedom from my identity being in my job, then there's a sense I can really love. I can experience God's power because my identity is in Jesus. It's not in what I do for Jesus. Rick, you are my child. You are not my employee. And you, you are God's children. You're not his employee. And he wants to pour his spirit, not of fear, but his spirit of power, his spirit of love, and his spirit of a sound mind into each and every one of us. And I think so often for me, my fears reveal this, this sense of wanting to control. Do you think I wanted to control the storms that my daughter was facing? Absolutely I did. I wanted to change her circumstances. I did not want those storms to face my daughter. And then the Lord is saying, Rick, this isn't about you. Because at one point, what I was trying to do, I think about Matthew 7, the house built on rock and the house built on sand. And my daughter was in the midst of this storm. And I wanted to be the dad that could save everything and control everything and fix everything and say, I'm going to control the weather for you because I love you. 
And God is saying, would you please get out of the way because I am building your daughter's foundation on me. And it's so often fear causes us to control things that God, God, control is really an illusion. I've learned that. <laughs> That's why the Lord gave me six children because I'm a slow learner. But there's this sense that, that God is in control of this stuff. And I want to point my family and my daughter in this situation towards a foundation that is in Jesus Christ. I think one of the other things that is true, again, I hope this connects, is that fear, fear does pure, paralyze us. There's a sense where if we just think about fear, if we obsess with what we, with what we fear, if the voice of Satan and what we fear becomes so loud, it's just going to paralyze us. And I think about what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is that he's trying to give us a picture of what, what sp uh, spiritual courage is, right? That the dynamics of spiritual courage are the sense of, of power, that we're living with a sense of power, that we're living with a sense of being loved, that we're living with a sense where our minds are focused on him. And I think a lot of times what happens is we see the fruits of fear in our lives. So instead of feeling a sense of power, we just feel stuck. We feel paralyzed. We don't grow in our walks with Christ. We don't take any risks. We've stopped dreaming. There's this sense where, for me, it's just trying to create comfort. Like, I want to be comfortable in my calling. I want to be comfortable in my job. Then the Lord shakes it all up, and he says, are you doing this for me, or are you doing this for yourself? Is this about you loving me, or are you loving your job? And the fact that he was shaking it up, I'm like, I'm, I got to hold on to Christ. Are you feeling stuck where it's just, you're just in the same place? Are you closer to Jesus than you were when you were in high school? Is there this sense where you're begin, you can dream or you're willing to take risks for the Lord? I just felt like I was just stuck. And the Lord started just shaking it up. He says, all right, if, if you indeed, for you have received, Rick, a spirit, not of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake your life up in such a way so that this becomes a reality and you have to live into it every single day. I would never choose it, but I'm telling you there's nothing sweeter than this becoming a reality of who we are in Jesus. And you think about, is your life marked by this sense of love? And for me, I tell you, what I went into in terms of the fruits of fear in my life, self-love, self-care. It was all about, it was all a, a focus on complaining or criticizing those around me or those in authority over me. There was a sense of just this low-level anger or complaint all the time. And it was, I was just selfish. But the Spirit of God is saying, wait, that's not, I've given you a spirit of love where my love for you, your love for me outweighs everything. So these challenges, it's all in the context of me loving you. Then I think of just that, that sound mind, the thinking. I mean, it's just so important for us to connect with what's true about us in Jesus Christ and his word. And I think it's so often that for me, I was thinking about the wrong things. I wasn't focusing. I became more of a victim of what God had called me to do as opposed to a child who he's loved. And, and I was to communicate that love to other people. But fear does paralyze us. And I just want to ask you, do you feel stuck? Does, does the sense of vulnerability or what you fear, is it just, has it just gotten you stuck? And if that's true, listen, God did not give you a spirit of fear, 
But God has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit to think right about who you are, about who God is, and how we can love others. That that verse, that spirit, that truth in us can really change everything. And I'm telling you, I have not accomplished this. This is something that the Lord has to remind me of every day. And God doesn't eliminate fear from our lives. He doesn't eliminate fear from his life. Sometimes I wish, he, I wish he would just change the weather. I wish he would just change the circumstances. But what he does is he gives us the spirit of power, of love, and of right thinking. He gives us that spirit for you and I to be able to grow in our faith. Where, listen, where the reality of God's spirit in us becomes greater than the reality of the fear that surrounds us. Could we believe this verse, just a mustard seed more this morning, where the reality of God's spirit in us outweighs the reality of the fear that surrounds us because this is what's true. So what do we do with this fear? Where do we go with our fear? And I just think, let's do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do when he was afraid? And this is probably one of the most freeing things is because as Jason prayed, I mean, he goes first. We follow Jesus, right? And what Jesus did is he prayed honestly he was obedient, and then he thought right. He was thinking right. Because I think, listen, spiritual courage, it's not a personality. I mean, if you think of spiritual courage as a personality, we would want to worship somebody more like Braveheart than Jesus. Because what did Jesus do on the threshold of his death? He wept and he cried and he said, Dad, I don't want to do this. Please take this cross from me. Please let this cup pass. And on the cross, he's praying and praying and crying out. This isn't about a personality. This is about God changing you and changing me. We're, we're, we are willing to pray honestly about what we really fear. That we're willing to do what God is asking us to do. And that we would live our lives living right, moving right. I think about Jesus in the garden. He, he wasn't trying to please anybody. He wasn't bending to a certain, cult, to a certain culture. He, he wasn't, you know trying to impress anybody. He simply was praying honestly and saying, I'll do the will of my Father. What is God asking you to do where fear has just got you stuck? And you think about just Jesus on the cross, being obedient, and Jesus on the cross. Listen, Jesus is on the cross, and at any time, he could have pulled himself up on the nails, and he could have said, Father, send the angels it's too painful. It's too hard. I don't love enough. He could have had any prayer. Father, send the angels, but he didn't. Why? Because he saw your fear and my fear on that cross. And he wanted to provide for us a way through our fears. And he wanted us to experience the victory that he will experience over sin and death and fear in our lives once and for all. So Jesus on the cross doesn't cry out, Father, send the angels. He cries out, Father. Listen, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, listen, Jesus prayed that prayer so that you and I never have to. That Jesus Christ took upon himself forsakenness so that you and I will never be forsaken from our Heavenly Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even though sometimes it might feel like that, in our world, Jesus prays that prayer, and the truth is, we never have to. 
Because Jesus Christ, for God, did not give you and I a spirit of fear. No. He gave us a spirit of power. He gave us a spirit of love. He gave us a spirit of a sound mind so that we can think right. I want to my I was I want to talk more about my daughter. I mean it's a hard season right for a dad. For those of you who are parents especially of middle school kids and you think of just all the weight that that carried with my daughter and um so I'm with my daughter and she tells me that, you know, this has been a tough day because the girl said that the boy said I was the ugliest girl in the class. And and for a dad to hear that, you just want to control it, you know, you want to you want to keep that, and um, and I said to her, I said, well, Alyssa, what did you do? And she said to me, she said, Dad, I went into the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I decided that it wasn't true. <laughs> uh, and I am like, you are more secure at thirteen than I am. I mean, it was unbelievable. And you know why? Because she was deciding then that the words of God were going to ring more true than what these kids were saying about her. And I just think, think about me. I walk into a high school or if I'm doing ministry, I mean, I'm a, I'm a senior regional director. But I'm telling you, a 16-year-old kid with a lot of confidence makes me feel like a jerk. And I'm like, oh, I can, wait a minute, I got power, I got love, I got right thinking. You know, like... So here's what I'm saying. This is a day-to-day battle. And just when I think, hey, I got a handle on this, there's something else that causes fear. Well, I'd love for just, let's have a moment of silence as I'm closing here. Just think about what is it that's maybe causing you fear. Where do you feel like you're vulnerable? What are the battles that you're fighting? Where do you feel stuck? Or, Or maybe there's something that the Lord's asking of you that you've been fearful about. Maybe this is the first time in the moment of silence that you could begin to, to pray honestly about what you feel like you need or how you're doing. And then I'll close this with a couple scriptures and prayer together. Father, none of the prayers that we're saying right now or the things coming to mind are a shock to you. Nothing, uh, nothing surprises you, but sometimes us being able to say it or acknowledge it is the first step of, of verses like this becoming a reality and for us to live by. And Lord, it's, it's so hard sometimes to live in the reality of what's true about us in Jesus. And we just pray that we could take a step this morning. We pray, Lord, that we would have this sense more clearly in the depths of who we are that you, our God, our Heavenly Father, did not give us a spirit of fear. But you, Heavenly Father, you gave us a spirit of power. You gave us a spirit of love. And you gave us a spirit where we can have a sound mind and think right about ourselves and about our relationship with you. 
Lord, please meet us here. And from Romans 8, be encouraged with these words. Lord, we did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. But we received a spirit of sonship, of daughtership. We are your children. And so we cry out to you right now, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And we know that your spirit is going to testify to our spirit about what's true. And what's true is that we're your children. And so if nothing else, Father, we just say thank you that we are your children. Help us to live into this truth and reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, Browncroft.